Hello, everyone. Welcome to Beyond Sunday at Bethlehem, a podcast created to go beyond the Sunday service experience at Bethlehem Church, exploring some of the deeper questions of our faith, offering additional content from behind the scenes from the cutting room floor. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Angela Buckland, and as always, I am beyond excited to host today's episode. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond Sunday. Today, you guys are in for a treat. Kevin and I are here talking with Pastor Matt Piland, our executive pastor, the man, the myth, the legend, (laughs) Matt. We've got him here in the podcast studio. We're super excited to have some time with him talking about all things leadership. Matt, welcome back to be yeah. on Sunday. It's been a while. It's, yeah, it has been a while. So, so it's great to be here. Awesome. I would say more myth than legend, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Except around my house. Definitely yeah. legendary around my house. So. <laughs> I'm sure Lindsay would agree. <laughs> yes, 100%. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. We just w- really wanted to spend some time. You are our executive pastor here at Bethlehem. And as our church has grown, uh, you know, we know who you are. A lot of people know who you are, but I just thought it would be a great opportunity to tell our listeners what you do, who you are, a little bit of your background and what kind of your passion is. Obviously that's leadership. We know that. Mm -hmm. Um, But let's kind of just talk about who you are, what is, who you are and what your role is here at Bethlehem. Yeah. Well, I like to say I'm a husband first and uh, I'm a father uh, second, and then I'm a, a pastor third. So, you know, I grew up a preacher's kid. A lot of people know that. Some people may not know that. My dad and my mom actually attend our Mm -hmm. Coney campus. My dad teaches a a class on Revelation. There's 100 plus people who attend it. And every time I'm at a campus, somebody stops me and says, I love your dad. He's such a great teacher, which is, you know, if, if. if I have teacher in me, it comes from my dad. That's so I, I grew up a preacher's kid. My my mom was always home when I got off the bus. And um, I have a sister who is also at the Oconee campus and my brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, just blessed where I got a chance to grow up and the family I got a chance to grow up in. So I grew up in Louisiana. Uh, some of you know that. I'm an LSU fan. Um, mm. I know. Mm. So, But <laughs> I grew up on Red Shoot Bayou. I like huh. to say that. And I was there until my freshman year of high school. And then we moved to Virginia, which is actually where my parents are from. Huh. My dad accepted a, a, a position as a pastor in, in Virginia. And we were there through my high school years. And then I moved back to Louisiana. And then I actually went to school at the University of Mobile. Wanted to major in religion. And LSU was not the best place to major in religion. <laughs> uh, it's a different type of religion there. So, uh <laughs> But, you know, and then ended up, uh, January of 2001, ended up taking a position on at uh, First Baptist Snellville hmm. under Dr. James Merritt and was there as a student pastor. And I have been in this area since then. So at several different churches, but have been in this area and hmm. I've actually been on staff for seven years. Yeah. Wow. Starting yeah. next month. So where does Lindsay fit into this? You, where did you meet her at? Yeah, so Lindsay and I met in 2003. Uh, we actually met in Seaside, Florida. Hmm. So we actually, so if you've ever been to nice. Seaside, that's exactly where we met right there. First time I saw her was right at the old post office right there in Seaside, Florida. Wow. So 38 is special to us, but we were both volunteering for a organization called Lighthouse Ministries uh, with that serves families who have a child with cancer. And hmm. um, 
got out and she saw me she fell in love and that was it so <laughs> actually true story i chased is, her the legend i called her legend yeah that's the legendary part let me yeah that's the myth part actually so uh yeah i called her for uh every day for two months until she finally said yes on a date and, and then ask and keep on asking yeah and then she tried to break After up with Rasmus me and i wouldn't settled. let her and, now she's stuck with me so it's covenant right. marriage now she can't go nowhere. she can't back out i now. remind her of that so. and you have how many kids we have four kids. I talk about wow. my kids all the time. Yeah. You know, they are the, my kids, my kids love for me to talk to them about them on stage because they get $5 every time I use them in illustration. Really? Wow. So that's kind of the deal we have. Although they're trying to make a, uh, they're, they're trying to negotiate Inflation. that price. Yeah. yeah. To, up yeah. to $10. And you know, they're getting a little older, so it costs them a little more when I use them as an illustration. So we, we may make a, we may make a change there, but uh, I love my kids. Uh, I love being a dad. Um, all my kids play sports. We are a sports family, mm-hmm. and we uh, we do church and we do sports, and um, we don't Life compromise e- either one of those things uh, necessarily. Obviously, church is uh, fundamentally first and foremost. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you, uh, being being a dad, watch my kids play, and yeah. that's just that's one of the joys of my life. For sure. So you've been here seven years, um, and your role here as executive pastor. Explain more what executive pastor, because it's it, it can mean different things in different places. And if we've got people who are listening, they've been to different churches. Um, it's it could mean different things. So explain sure. what that role is here when it comes to working with Pastor Jason and working with our staff. Yeah, I'll tell you about seven and a half <clears throat> years ago, uh, Jason reached out to me and we worked together at 12 Stone. So Jason and I have known each other a long time. His brother and I, Ryan, uh, are good friends. Um, so I've known the Brits for some time. And so Jason calls me up and it was actually when Adam Bishop uh, was leaving, mm-hmm. uh, he was the former executive pastor and also his brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. And he calls me up, just says he wants to go to lunch. And it was there that he said, hey, uh, I want you to consider coming on to be my executive pastor. And I was the campus pastor at our at the Flowery Branch campus at 12 Stone at the time. Had been on, on staff at 12 Stone for seven years. And I thought, man, you got the wrong guy. Really? <laughs> like immediately I was, I started laughing because I, I mean, <laughs> my family would, would see me as an executive pastor, you know, seven years ago and they would laugh, you know, they were like, <laughs> what, why would you executive pastor? Uh, because I'm kind of wired, Jason, I talk about this. I'm wired more probably lead pastor than I am, you know, strict executive systems. Um, um, I, I love leadership and I do love systems. I think God is a God of systems. We, we live in a solar system right Mm -hmm. there. We, there's a circulatory system. Like, I mean, God is a God of systems. And so there is part of me that, that is drawn to that and sees that, but the end of the day, like, um, I'm more about relationships. Yeah. And I'm That's what I was and, say. And teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I didn't realize is that what he was offering me was a, a phenomenal position that I would fall in love with one day. Uh, because, you know, he told me, he said, I, I need someone I trust, which is imperative to leadership. Yeah. We talk about that all the time here uh, at Bethlehem. Uh, you know, you can only move at the speed of trust mm-hmm. that you trust people. And we're moving really, really fast right now. So there <laughs> has to be a high level of trust. And then someone who can preach, uh, much of my life that I have spent on a stage teaching God's word. And, uh, even in an itinerary, um, I did itinerary ministry for, uh, quite some time. And Jason, and I used to do the camp scene and student ministry scenes and all those things. D nows, if you, if you go back to those days and then, uh, you know, someone who can lead, mm-hmm. who can lead a staff. 
Uh, Brad Carter was already on staff. He's the CFO and he's the finance and facilities guy. And that is not me. Right. So I'm, I'm like Jason. I tell Jason all the time, maybe you got to fire somebody, fire me before you fire Brad. <laughs> you can figure out and do what I do. You cannot do what he does. And yeah, he, yeah. he obviously realizes that. So, yeah. um, so it, it took about four months of me praying through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually God, God was just drawing us to this place mm-hmm. and, you know, getting a chance to, to preach on Sundays and then also getting a chance to lead a staff. Mm-hmm. So my primary responsibility is, uh, is our staff. Yeah. So our leadership development, the developing development of our campus pastors, um, making sure that this is a healthy culture, uh, that people work in. Um, I lead a leadership development group, uh, with all of our, our pastors and ministers and leaders uh, once a month and teach leadership, spiritual leadership. Um, and ultimately here's the way I say it. I, I, I pastor the staff mm-hmm. that that's kind of my primary responsibility. Yeah. So kind of, you know, you've been here for seven years in that role and as Bethlehem has grown at the speed of light, <laughs> yes. how has your role changed? How would you say, what's the biggest difference from when you started, um, seven years ago to now? Yeah. You know, for the first two years I had to learn Jason. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, Jason, and I had to have a, just a mutual, I mean, we trusted each other, yeah, but to be able to each other as friends, correct. Yeah. But to be able to operate at the speed that we are operating at, and then also him being able to trust me. Yeah. And this is important yeah. not to make decisions necessarily like I would make decisions, but like he would make decisions. Gotcha. And I would say 90 Eight percent of the time, him and I would make the exact same decision. Mm-hmm. But in the you know the rare instances where, and obviously these aren't moral decisions or yeah, anything like yeah. that, but they, you know it's it's more it's more uh, opinion than conviction per yeah. se. So that he would, uh, we may differ that two percent. Um, I don't make decisions necessarily the way I would. I make decisions the way that he would. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the guy at the top sets the culture. That's true in every organization. Mm-hmm. And my job is to carry that culture to steward the culture, Mm -hmm. to make sure that across the boards and even layers deep in our organization that we are making decisions that represent the culture uh, that that Jason has created here. And and so that takes time. But as we've grown, I mean, we're at 60 plus staff members now. That was when I got here, there may have been 20 or so. Wow. Um, Obviously, I fly higher now. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we have other executive pastors who, uh, I get a chance to work with and, um, they, they are leading more, some more of the day to day and allows me to kind of look down the road. Mm -hmm. So obviously even transitioning in 2024 from our current 316 facility to the new one, yes, the amount of things that have to happen in order to, to move from this place to the X are, are unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now Brad Carter carries, carries a lot of that in the sense of building a facility and all that, but there's so many things from a staffing standpoint to obviously, uh, even transitioning a church, mm-hmm. you know, Jason, I talk about this a lot, transitioning a church from, from one building where you've experienced decades of life change yeah. where yeah. people have been baptized and, and even married and, mm-hmm. you know, have seen their kids baptized. And now we're going to transition to a new place. Yep. Um, that's an emotional thing. Mm-hmm. And we realized that yeah. like, it's kind of like, I, I, I use the illustration when you buy a new house and you've lived in 
a house for years and years and done life in it and raised your kids in it to some degree. And then you, and then you move to a new house that first night in that house, <laughs> you feel like a stranger. Right? Yeah. You're like, yeah. this, this doesn't feel like home, yeah. but the more you do life in that house, the more it becomes your home. Right. And it, it, we are going to experience that. And part of my responsibility in our job and Jason's as well is to, is to help our staff to, to season a new building. If you would, it's almost like seasoning yeah. a, a, a Blackstone. You got to season that new building and we'll baptize people there. We'll worship there. And we'll also celebrate what we're leaving. Right. You know, um, you know, and what God has done in this building. So it's yeah. exciting time. It is. Yeah. I, you're, as you're talking, I'm remembering my son when we moved from our old house to the house that we live in now, he was getting a total upgrade. Like he was getting a bigger room. We had a pool, you know, into the new house, but he was mad. Yeah. He was mad at us for like a year, a well into it. Like we moved into the new house and he was mad for us, like mad at us for the next year, <laughs> just because it wasn't it his wasn't, room. Yeah, for sure. You know, so there is, I, I totally get the emotions that you're talking about, right. just the, you know, the attachments and the the memories yeah. that, that people have. So that, uh, that, that tracks. That's, uh, that's so, good. so as we talk about moving our staff from yeah. one place to the next, we also talk about moving, you know, our, our people, the church is, is mm -hmm. people, um, and you've spent some time already talking to our staff and helping us prepare and think ahead. What what would you talk about if if you know people who are listening who are who are members who are serving or maybe they're just attending um, that they need to prepare for? Um, what what should we be working on as a church to prepare to move to the next place? Yeah, I think so much of it. We talk about this as staff, like, um, and we actually talked about today in our all staff. You know, so much of it is as, as staff members, our job is to serve those who lead as as those who lead our volunteer leaders yeah. serve those who are attending. So if you think about that, the, the focus is off of ourselves and always on other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So as we transition from this building to another, again, it's emotional. Yeah. All of the things that you just said, Angela, are so true. If we are just focusing on ourselves mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and not who God is going to bring. How many stories, Jason talked about this over the last couple of years, how many new stories like, like Chevis Phillips and life change, life change, yeah. Mandy Spittler, and so many others who, who got saved, mm -hmm. God saved them and yeah. they started attending, grew and now are on staff and now yeah. leading. Like there are more of those stories to come, yeah. Yeah. but if we get comfortable on our own, you know, uh, Jason, uh, Jason says this and you know, the gravitational pull is always inward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like a church's natural so focus is always going to be on who is in the room. Yeah. And the reality is most people like the church the size it was when they started coming. Yeah. And as it grows, sometimes people are like, oh, I just, you know, it's just not the same Miss as it used to be. Days. The good old days, yeah. you know. Yeah. But really what you're saying then is like, if you think about that, that the focus is always on ourselves. Right. Right. And the, the gospel, the gospel is always about others. I right. mean, that's why Jesus came. You have to fight that inward. And so you have to fight that mm -hmm. to and and Jason does a phenomenal job of that mm -hmm. on the stage. Yeah. But we we are always fighting to see outward. So, mm -hmm. you know, the the next opportunity that God has for us is the opportunity to be able to reach more people. Yeah. And so I think from the mindset of us of going, hey, it's not this yes, we we are in a sense, there is a loss. I think you have to own that. Like sure, we're moving from sure. one place to another. However, like the opportunity, you know, we talked about this when we talked about Noah today. It's like yeah. the opportunity, I mean, we're just building a big, bigger boat. Yeah. 
God's going to send the rain and we need to build a bigger boat. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's, that's what we're experiencing right now. That's good. I think that's great. I think the challenge that I hear um, as, as both someone on staff and as a, a member who's here and with my kids are here, my grandkids are here is the way that I pray is not Lord, get us in that new building, but I pray Lord, prepare me to be there. And then help me to have a vision for what that new building represents. Yeah. It's right. a bigger boat. It's a place where more people can gather and we can see God move in ways that we've never even experienced, as opposed to just praying for us to get in there. Um, Cause we have seen it happen in other places where the, a, a new building is built and everybody, everybody moves over to that new place and they take a big deep breath and they go, oh, we, we made did it. it. Right. And that's <clears throat> not what we're after. That we believe this is just the beginning. Yeah, it's just the not, starting line. Not, I mean, we are going to celebrate an ending to this place, but this is not the the end of the story. This is just the beginning. Mm -hmm. There are Chevises and Mandy Spitlers and and uh, the Dickinsons and yeah. uh, there's yeah. there are stories out there that will that are yet to be told because they're yet to be written. Right, and we get a piece. We get to be a part of that. That's what's exciting. Yeah, but yeah. we do have to prepare ourselves for that and pray that direction. God, prepare me for the next place um, and to be a part of what you want to do in the next place, which probably isn't about me. Yeah. Right. Right. So you have a passion for leadership. Um, and, and I want to talk a little bit about where that started for you. Like, where did you have a passion to lead others? And, and I, where did that begin for you? When did you notice it? That's a great question. Uh, you know, I don't want to reveal too much that, you know, um, <laughs> I, I don't want to focus on some of the negative side of ministry over the years, but yeah. Uh, you know, as a young leader, so much of ministry, and I'm thankful for all the places that I've been and served and have served under some great leaders. But, you know, I, I remember sitting, um, it wasn't at 12 Stone, uh, it was a previous church. And I was sitting there thinking like so much, you know, it used to be in the eighties and nineties, you, you know, if you preach the word, yeah. just preach the word and everybody, you know, that that's the, all that matters. Yeah. Yes. Right. And. You know, there's also, again, go back, God is a God of order. He's a God of systems. He's a God of structure. And then, and leadership is a part of that because leadership is influence. Mm -hmm. And I remember the only development I ever experienced was personal development. Now, that's the most important part of leadership. Mm -hmm. You lead yourself first. But I never had people just every day when I showed up at work pouring into me. And it wasn't until I was at, at 12 Stone and uh, Dan Ryland, uh, was who is was the executive pastor at 12 stone and is and is really one of the smartest guys I've ever been around and he he started teaching leadership and he started pouring into me and started pouring into others and and I started experiencing I always like to say this like spiritual leadership I got from my parents yeah you know I was raised in a home love God and love Jesus and I spiritual leadership and intensity I kind of got from them organizational leadership I got from Dan Ryland hmm. And and Kevin Myers at, at Twelve Stone and yeah. uh, there are this, so I learned that organizational leadership and I learned to have a passion for leadership mm -hmm. and it really it just grew and I just realized that like when I came here at Bethlehem that's one of the things that Jason and I talked about is we are both passionate about leadership yes and so giving giving our staff the tools that they need in their toolbox that that when hey when you know when a problem comes up or a circumstance that they know how to deal with it yeah and so leadership kind of started there i mean it, it was it was definitely earlier on in my ministry that i started going i, I want somebody to develop me yeah and again yeah. there were people who did in specific areas but it wasn't until 12 stone that i really 
got super passionate about leadership. Yeah. Yeah. We do a great job here leading yeah. our staff and um, it, I can see it. We can see it in uh, younger staff and, mm -hmm. and then um, older staff as well. Like it, it makes a huge difference putting tools in toolboxes. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. And developing that leadership culture that is so um, just a part of the the fabric of Bethlehem. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously when you study, I mean, there's some great leaders in scripture. Yeah. And again, sometimes people want to take leadership and they want to replace the word discipleship with leadership. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's biblical at all. Mm -hmm. Um but I think there, there's, it, it, you know, part of discipleship is leadership. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, I think everybody is a leader. Everybody leads somebody. Right. You know, maybe right. it's just yourself, but everybody's, some people are like, I'm not a leader. Obviously, they're more charismatic leaders than others, but mm -hmm. everybody leads somebody. Yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're a husband, you know, yeah. you, and you're, you're a mom, like, leadership is something that's important in your home. Yeah, Like, where are sure. you, where are you leading people? Yeah. Um, because, again, I think, I think some of leadership is more caught than taught. Mm -hmm. So obviously when you look at the disciples, you know, following Jesus around, I mean, he had, I mean, he dropped some, he dropped some incredible statements on them. Yeah. Yeah. But I think if you were to ask them a lot, of what they learn is just watching how he interacted with people, mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, and rubbing shoulders with people and, and going in and, and quite frankly, Jesus allowed them to make mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. And then they come back and go, this isn't working. He goes, well, here's why it's not working. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that's an important part of leadership as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, we need to allow, you know, we need to allow our staff and the people that we lead, we allow them to make mistakes. Obviously, yeah. there's a covering there and there's some protection there, but I think mm -hmm. that's an important part of leadership as well. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important that you, you said that uh, everybody's a leader in some capacity, whether you see yourself that way or not. Um, uh, when Clay Scroggins was on the podcast, he said that everybody has this kind of leadership baked into their DNA mm -hmm. and it goes back to the creation mandate. Absolutely. So go fill the earth, subdue it, multiply, be fruitful. All of these things reign rule. It's, it's kind of, it's this creation mandate that we've been given by God. Talk to us, talk to our listeners about just that, uh, maybe who first saw and called out leadership potential in you. Who is that for you? Yeah, you know, um, you know, outside of my my father, um, I would say early mid, or I'll say mid nineties was a, a guy by the name of Stuart Hall. He's mm -hmm. still doing ministry mm -hmm. to this day. Many people know who he is, and Stuart was the first one really to take and, and start developing me. Yeah, like I was yeah. his intern. Um, he didn't pay me. And being an intern <laughs> back then means <laughs> you learn right. everything you can. You're not getting any money. <laughs> Uh, Jason and I joke around about that today. Like interns are like, now what do you pay? It's like, we, we had to just about pay to be in, uh, an internship program. Right. But, uh, he's the first one that really developed me from, uh, like, um, I think the leadership side of me and called that out in me and he saw something and, and here, here's the moment. So I actually can pinpoint the moment. Hmm. So we were doing a disciple now and we were in Texas and if you know a disciple now, it's a weekend. He was the main speaker. He brought he brought me and a couple other guys in to uh, to be kind of lead homes. Mm -hmm. Used to be back in homes in the day. We don't do that for a lot of reasons right now. <laughs> but um, and so I was leading at home. And then that Sunday morning was kind of the finale. Like yeah. it was kind of the big. They brought everybody together. It was kind of the big like ending of it. And on Saturday, he looked at me. He said, "Hey, I want you to lead this on Sunday. I want you to preach the the kind of finale." Hmm. And I had never really preached like that before. Oh, I mean, my yeah. dad was a pastor. I would have told you the last thing I want to do ever is preach. 
And he saw something in me that he called out. Was I ready? Absolutely not. Right. I'm pretty sure it wasn't very good. Um, in fact, I'm banking I wasn't. He told me it was good, but I don't think it was. <laughs> and and I even remember thinking, like, what is this student pastor going to think? Like, you brought Stuart Hall in. Now you, they're going to have Matt. But he he saw something in me. He called me to it. Yeah. And again, those kids may not have experienced the greatest moment. It would have been better if Stuart did it. But what it did in me and, and, and kind of how that reverberated mm-hmm. in my life hmm. and what I'm doing now, yeah, like the ripple effect of was that. huge. Yeah. So that was the part where somebody saw something in me that I didn't see in myself and they called me to it mm. and I wasn't ready. Yeah. And again, it wasn't very good. I still remember it was on the Titanic it was like a whole, whole thing. I won't get into <laughs> it, but um, Titanic was big back then in the movie. And so I think that was the moment that somebody, somebody looked at me and said, you're a leader mm-hmm. and God's mm-hmm. called you to preach. Yeah. I just, I think that's so important for our listeners to hear just because I think as, as we're calling out leaders in our church, um, members and volunteers and, uh, that a lot of times they don't see themselves as leaders, but we see that in them because again, it's created, God created them to be leaders. So just to see, just to hear you, you say that that's gotta be so encouraging just to know, like, you know, we all have to start somewhere, everybody. No doubt. So and we start, we actually start, you started where God put you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, for people who are driving down the road right now going, well, I'm not going to be on a stage. I'm not really a leader. That's right. not true at all. There's a moment coming up today, right? Sometime today in the next couple hours, mm-hmm. that that you know our prayer would be you recognize it as a as just a nudge from the Holy Spirit, right? Um, that He says, "Hey, this is your opportunity today to lead someone, yes, um, and to lead people." And you you know you focus on where you're at now, and then you mm-hmm. let God take of where take care of where He wants you to go. Yeah. But then yeah. that's what you had that right. opportunity right there in front of you, um, and then you could see down the road a little to maybe the next opportunity, but you didn't see sitting in this seat doing executive pastor role, doing a podcast no and talking about it. No <laughs> way. It was in that moment of, God, this is what you've called me to right now, right here, today, this hour, this minute, this second, and I'm going to follow you. Mm-hmm. And and then that that just continues to ripple you know, all these years later. Yeah, absolutely. Can I say something on that? Because I think it's important. So a lot of times young leaders think, in the, especially in the context of ministry, is they see Jason on a stage mm-hmm. or they see... Chevis or Joel or, you know, uh, Jacob or Ryan, they yeah. see people on stage and they think that's leadership. Yeah. Well, that's one form of leadership. Right. right. And, but, but how many people can really be on a stage, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and I could say a lot and Jason could say a lot about that because, you know, here's the thing. A lot of people want to be on a stage, but they don't want to do what it takes to be the person that can be on a stage delivering at that level. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's like, Hey, I want to, I want to preach the message, but I don't want to do all the work on the content. Yeah. But, but here's the reality of leadership. Like much of leadership is leading from the back of the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the purest form of leadership is leading from the back of the room. Yeah. And I'll tell you at 12 stone, like I, I, much of my ministry was about preaching until I got to 12 stone. And then like, they didn't need me to preach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so I did occasionally, but it was bare. I mean, it was, it was here and there. I mean, I was doing it outside. I'm still part of a organization where I was preaching outside and doing different things, but God developed something in me. What I learned to do is lead from the back of the room, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, good. And so, so many times here's what I say. I want to be a leader, but like what, what we really want to do is we really want people to look at us yeah. on a stage, mm-hmm. you know, and validate us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I'll tell you this, I'll say this to Jason. To, to myself to being on a stage and preaching can be a lonely thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
it can be a lonely thing. Yeah. And, um, and so, th- you know, you, there are all kinds of different leaders to your point. There are all kinds of different leaders who, you know, you'll never know their names. They're not staying on stage. They're not seeking, like, they're, they're not going to do a podcast or something like that, but man, they're, they're leaders. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. hundred percent. When you think about the future of leadership at Bethlehem, what, what are you most excited about? Yeah, at this stage of life, uh, so I'm 47, so I'm about a couple years older than Jason. Um, but Jason and I are pushing our 50s. Uh, Kevin, are you 50 yet? Have you I'm made it yet? 53, there? man. <laughs> so Angela and I are the I same age. Angela's 47. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that. I knew that. So, uh, you know, I think at this stage, it's, it's so much of it is about developing younger leaders. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. so much of it about is handing yeah. over ministry. And um, mm-hmm. man, that's the part that excites me. I mean, I love staying on the stage. And I love preaching. Yeah. You know, but developing the next communicator who's going to stand on the stage gets me excited too. Yeah. And Jason and I talk about that. I mean, neither one of us are getting younger. and um, But he, he, developing the next leader and the person who's going to come up next. And because the reality is, I mean, I mean, I don't know how many years God's going to have us, but it, I mean, at the most, it's probably 20 years before somebody's going to look at us and go, hey, you're the old guy. You need to get off. <laughs> you know, you need to be done. Yep. And, Jason and I and the rest of us always talk about this. Like, we don't want to be the person that someone forces out. Yeah. I'm like, hey, yeah. you know, you should have left five years ago. Yep. We want to yep. be, we want to turn it over when it's still got, it's still yeah. got momentum. So, um, but yeah, man, that, so, so I will say this. I get so much to say, but I'm trying not to say everything that comes to my mind. Um, but I think this is important. So if you think about your leadership years as a quadrant, you, you're, uh, the, the, the bottom right quadrant is kind of your, your heart years. So if you're, if you're listening to this and you're 18 years old or, tw- you know, you're 16 or somewhere 18 and below, like those are your heart years. Mm-hmm. God, man, you're being developed for better, for worse in these, in these times, very influential times. Um, but when you move in your twenties and thirties, those are, your, those are your warrior years. Yeah. Those are the year, man, you're on the ground. You're slaying dragons. Mm-hmm. You're fighting battles. You're working really, really hard. Um, and then if you survive those years, you get to your 40s and 50s. It's kind of like your king and queen years. Yeah. So now you're sending warriors out to battle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of times what people want to do is they get in their 20s and 30s. And they want to be at their king and king, king and queen years. Yeah. And they haven't, they haven't earned that right yet to speak mm-hmm. in the lives of other people. Mm-hmm. But when, you, when you've done it for 20 or 30 years, I mean, you know, or, or you know, or more or less, but you're, you've earned the right to be able to look at somebody and say, hey, I've been where you are, and to send them out and prepare them and send them out to be warriors. Yeah. Yeah. But, but then there's a fourth quadrant, and that is, that's kind of the sage years. And the sage years, you're pouring into the kings and queens. Mm. Like you've been a king and a queen. You've sent people out to battle. You have, you've done ministry, or, or this, is, this is transferable in business as well. Yeah. But now you're pouring into those people. Like Jason and I, Kevin, yourself, Angela, we're like, we're kind of that king and queen years, you know, but at some point we're going to be in those sage years Mm -hmm. and then we're going to be pouring everything we can into the kings and queens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking of like Jim and Susan Litchford and, and yeah. Perfect example. The sages. They're the sages. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And there's so many around. I mean, like, uh, you know, our elder team, you know, Mm -hmm. there's somebody and not all of them are. Are, are elder elderly per se, but right. I mean, there, there's so many of them that speak so much wisdom. Yeah. And here's the thing, Jason, Jason's obviously yeah. listening to those people mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you better have those people around you who are speaking in yeah. 
you know, to your leadership. Speaking of sages, your mom and dad would be a good example. They are sages. Um, so what is a, you, we were talking before the podcast, before we hit record, what's the most valuable feedback you've ever received as a leader? Yeah. So my dad said this, I probably used it more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a statement that he made. Um, it is, it is rang true mm-hmm. is education is expensive, no matter how you get it. <laughs> Whether you learn it from mistakes, whether yeah. you learn it from an institution, yeah, you pay for your education. All of life, you are you are you're getting an education. Hey, guess what, parents? Like education's expensive. Yeah. Like, like you're gonna mess up, you're gonna blow it, and you're gonna have to go and ask for forgiveness. And um, again, I'm a I'm a very competitive person. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> most people don't see that side, and I guard it, especially being my role. Uh, you know. Um, but I'm, I'm competitive. Like, mm-hmm. you know, my son played in the Super Bowl, and I was running the down marker and it's a big joke, but, but a call didn't go the way. And I slammed the, I slammed the down marker down and snapped it in half. And I was like, Oh my goodness, right in front of everybody. <laughs> not, not everybody saw it, thankfully, but I'm like, <laughs> like, I, I can get that emotional yeah. response. Yeah. Like I'm competitive, but here's what I've learned. Like I've learned to go to my, to my kids and go, Hey, like, mm-hmm. um, Hey, I need to ask for your forgiveness. Like, you know, and again, my, my kids had to pay a little price for that. And so did I like, mm-hmm. not that moment per se, but other yeah. moments sure. that I've messed up as a dad or, um, mm-hmm. and you know, again, there, there are people who you're a business person and you made them, you, you, you made the wrong hire. Yeah. Education's expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cost you something, but you know what you learn from it. Yeah. Or you invent, you made the wrong investment or whatever it is. I mean, the list goes on and on and right, on. Right. Right. But I, I would say that's, that's one of the things that has rang true in my life that when I mess up, mm-hmm. I go, okay, this is education. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to cost me, probably going to cost me financially, hmm. maybe cost me a little relationally. Uh, but am I going to learn from this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the next time I'm not going to make the same mistake. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. You fail when you stop learning. For sure. So what is God teaching you about leadership right now? Yeah. So I actually shared this to the staff today. Uh, it's pretty fresh. Um, it's the story of, uh, of really Noah. Um, you know, and I, I think this is a big one for us. So in fact, um, cause I knew this question was coming up, I got my Bible and, uh, I read this early this morning and shared it with the staff, but I'll, I'll share it with you guys as yeah. well. Um, but in, in Genesis chapter six, obviously we're, we're all familiar with the, the flood account and, you know, you know, all the details of it. Uh, but there, there's something I read that this morning that really stuck out to me. And, you know, when I think about it in the context of where we are, uh, it's, it's interesting because in, in Genesis chapter six, verse five, it says this, it says, now the Lord observed the extent of the people's wickedness. And he said, and he's saw that all their thoughts were consistently and totally evil. Now you think about that. So in the culture that, you know, this is being spoken into, like God looked at humanity, his creation. Mm -hmm. He looked at all of it and he said, it is totally evil. Hmm. Like it's all bad. Like mankind was made in God's image, the Imago Dei, but he looks at all of it and he said, he said that, that it's evil that they had made such poor decisions and they had turned from God and turned from their creator. And they, you know, um, they were doing things that were ungodly. 
and he and he he makes a statement after that 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 really is is powerful. And then he says this: so the Lord was sorry that he had ever made them, and it broke his heart. Yeah. So you think about God looks at humanity and, and is literally sorry that he ever created them. But it doesn't stop there, and thankfully for us, it doesn't <laughs> stop there. It says, and the Lord said, I will completely wipe out this human race that I've created. Yes, and I will destroy all the animals and the birds too. I am sorry that I ever made them. And then this is a powerful, this, this is how everything shifted for us. It literally shifted for us in this verse. But Noah found favor with the Lord. Yeah. So if it wasn't for Noah, we wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So God looks down at humanity, looks down at culture, and he says, there's no hope for it. But Noah found favor with the Lord. But there was one man, a godly man, his name was Noah, and he found favor with God. He mm-hmm. walked with the Lord. And so we talk about leadership. We talk about like, like even the next for Bethlehem Church, like so much of it is lies in our own personal walk with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, leadership always starts personally and it right. starts spiritually with our creator. And so Noah <clears throat> walked with the Lord. Yeah. And and then we know the rest of it because God literally said to Noah, hey, I want you to build a boat. Like, I'm about to destroy everything. I want you to build a boat. He gave him very specific details of how to build that boat. And he, and then Noah trusted God and began to build a boat. Mm-hmm. And we also know that people walked by while he was building the boat and said, what are you building? Yeah. Right. He's like, well, I'm building a boat. And they were like, well, what's a boat? Because it's never rained before. Right. You know, what do you, what do you even talk? What's rain? What, what are you talking about? Yeah. And he's like, well, there's, there's rain. It's got, I don't know how it's all going to work. It's going to fall from heaven, whatever, but you're going to want to be on this boat. Hmm. And they ridiculed him. They made yeah, fun of him, but yeah. he kept building. And so I, I think there's a couple lessons for us in this season. Number one, Noah focused on God's voice and not the rain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If he would have focused on the rain and the circumstances, he might have got in the middle of building that boat that took decades and decades. Mm. And he might have got this, wait a second, man. This He, he would have started doubting because mm-hmm. nothing's changing. And there's, there's no water, none of those things. Yeah. But he focused on God's voice. Yeah. And I think that's so important for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that as we go into the next, like our focus is on is 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 on God's favor. Yeah. Um the boat was because God was going to send the rain. Mm-hmm. And I know this illustration may break down a little bit, but hang in here with me. Like we are building a new central campus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're building a bigger boat. Why? Because we believe that God's going to send the rain. Yeah. Yep. And all the boat is, is the boat exists because God's going to send the rain. Hmm. And so the building's great. Excited about the building. Jason's excited about the building, all those things. But what we're more excited is what God's going to do. That God's favor. I think he's going to rain down his favor. Mm. And then this is the leadership principle we talk about as a staff, and I would encourage you know all of us who are listening to this. Lay down the umbrella and pick up a hammer. Yep. Mm. Noah's job was to build the boat. It was God's job to bring the rain. Mm-hmm. And I think for so many people, you know, even if you're listening to this, maybe you're at another church or you know you're in ministry. I, I've met so many people that are just holding up an umbrella and they're just going, God, send your favor, send your favor, send. Mm. send all of those things, 100%, yes. Yeah. That's where it starts. That's where it started with Noah. Yeah. But here's what I would say. 
That's God's responsibility. Hmm. Yeah. Pick up a hammer. Lay down the umbrella, pick up a hammer, and get to work. Yeah. And that's where we are right now. Yeah. We have been in that for two years. We are, we got a hammer and our volunteers are working hard. And here's why, because we believe God's going to send the rain. And I think that's a, I think we are at a pivotal, pivotal time for this community, not just for Bethlehem church. I think to focus on Bethlehem churches is to negate all that God is going to do in and around through other churches in our communities, because I believe that God's going to send God's going to open up the floodgates hmm. and uh, not to destroy everybody. <laughs> yeah. I hope well, he already promised. He that. already promised he wouldn't do that. <laughs> that right? umbrella is all about my comfort. Right. Yeah. The, yeah. the hammer is about God's glory and serving mm-hmm. him. No doubt. And mm-hmm. so it's easy, it's easy just to hold the umbrella up and go, we're building this new building for me in my comfort. And that's not at all what it's about. Right. Put the umbrella down and pick up a hammer. Hmm. So another thing my dad used to say, success is obedience. The results are God's. Yep. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. So, Again, we can't control God's favor yeah. and what God does. We're not focusing on a number. We're not focusing on, focusing on any of that. We're focusing on individual souls mm-hmm. and people coming to know Jesus and walking with Jesus and being discipled. Kevin, Angela, that's y'all's passion, mine too. And mm-hmm. um, that that's our focus. Man, what God does, God's going to do. Yeah. And that that we're just we're going to make sure that we are prepared and ready yeah. for when God does it. I love that image of the, uh, yeah, the umbrella just is safe. It's safety, you know? For sure. Uh, but it also reminds me of Nehemiah when they were building the wall. They had a sword in one hand and a, and a and, shovel, and in, a the shovel other. in the other. Right. So it's like, you know, we're, we're fighting off enemies and we're, and we're doing the work at the and same time. I love it too. I love that. <laughs> so, I love that picture. Yeah. Matt, thank you for what you do yeah. on our staff. I mean, the you raise the bar of leadership all the way, you know, on our staff, but then also on our church. And then to watch you, uh, and Jason work together, watch you honor him mm-hmm. and execute the vision of the pastor, which is part of the executive pastor role. Is God's leading him. And then to see you execute that and honor him, I think is incredible. It's a great um, example for all of us to watch and for all of us to follow. So thank you for everything you do here yeah. at Bethlehem. Thank you, Kevin. Thank yeah. you, Angela. Yeah. Thank Appreciate you for it. your time on the podcast. And uh, man, I, I, I wish we could keep going, but this is a, this is a great conversation. No, another episode. Yes. Yeah. We, it won't be so long this time. So we'll try to try to schedule it ahead of time. <laughs> you put Jason and I both in here. That, oh, yeah, that's always fun. That. That's oh, fun. <laughs> if, if people don't know, Jason and I are super close, man. We work out together. We're yeah. friends. Yes. Uh, we, we obviously have two different hats we put on different times. We got the friend hat and we got the, you know, the, the worker hat, but yeah. uh, it is a joy. I mean, it's a joy to do with mm-hmm. Jason and Kevin's known Jason a long time and to be able to do things with your with, with the people you love and your friends or man yeah that's what it's all about it's a blessing sure. yeah well thank you matt thank you and thank you to all of our listeners at beyond sunday we love you and we are so thankful for you if you have any questions at all want to respond to this episode have any questions email us at beyond sunday at bethlehemchurch.us uh, share this episode, like, give us a rating on on podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We are grateful for you. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Beyond Sunday.